Hello and welcome to the More Than Milk podcast, episode 6. I'm your host, Heidi Kim, and today's episode might be a little bit difficult to address, but at the time of recording is October 3rd, which is the third day into October, obviously, and October is Infant Loss Awareness Month. So I have some personal experience with this. If you guys haven't listened to episode one where I talk about my personal breastfeeding story, um, I have had a stillbirth. And so I thought that today I would go ahead and address what it was like to deal with my milk coming in after my loss. So it might be a little bit difficult to talk about. It's been four, almost five years now, and I do talk about it pretty openly and have since um, since she was born. But we're going to address one little part of the pain of loss today, and that is going to be milk coming in. Unfortunately, when you lose a baby, your body does not know that your baby died. Hormonally, the delivery of the placenta is the part of the birth that triggers your body to tell your milk to come in. So despite the fact that my daughter was not born alive, I still had to deal with engorgement and a lot of the pain associated with your milk coming in on top of all the other afterbirth stuff that you have to deal with, but without a baby. So I had a vaginal birth, so I had to deal um, not with any pain with the scar like you would with a cesarean. That would be additional stuff as well. I did have lochia, which is the postpartum bleeding that you have, as well as some afterbirth contractions, which are really, really common in this kind of situation. Um, generally, if you've had more children, those afterbirth contractions are going to be more painful. And the further along you are, the longer those afterbirth contractions are going to be painful as well. I was fortunate in that I didn't tear, so I healed relatively quickly from the vaginal birth. But part of my body not knowing that she had died was my milk coming in. Um... This would probably be a little bit different depending on how far along you were and more importantly, whether it was a stillbirth or a miscarriage because a loss before 20 weeks is technically considered a miscarriage, although from a practical standpoint, someone losing a baby at 19 weeks is going to go through the same physical exertion of the birth process that someone who lost a baby at 20 weeks would experience. They just have to do the cutoff somewhere. And at 19 weeks, your milk is still going to come in. Generally, after 16 weeks, your milk will come in. Um, But then obviously, those who have had a neonatal loss who might have actually been breastfeeding their child or who have been pumping, perhaps for a child in the NICU, are going to have a more established supply So that's going to make things a little bit more complicated as well. I don't have personal experience with neonatal loss. Mine was a stillbirth, so I want to talk a little bit about what my experience was like. My milk came in about day four after she was born. Um, There were a couple of quotes that I read. The social worker that talked to us after she was born gave us a bunch of books, and one of the ways that we dealt 
with the grieving process was reading as many books as possible. Any book that we could get our hand on about loss, we read. And in one of the books that the social worker gave us, there were a couple of quotes. My favorite one that I like to think back on when I think about little Adelaide was, take comfort in knowing that all your child ever knew was love. And I love that. Adelaide will never know what it's like to be heartbroken or to be bullied. The only thing she ever knew was how much we loved her. Another quote that I thought perfectly summed up some of the postpartum experience was this. My body grieved too, and its tears were white. I remember just dripping milk all over the place and just wishing to have a child that I could nurse, just wishing that this milk could go to my daughter and knowing that she wasn't going to get it. Um, in the hospital, there were a lot of people we had to talk to. We had to decide whether we were going to have an autopsy or genetic testing. We had to pick a funeral home while we were still there in that 24-hour time frame. We had to... Um, meet with a social worker, like I said, but we did not meet with a lactation consultant. If I could go back in time, I really wish that we had met with a lactation consultant. I wish that someone had come in and gently explained to me what the process of my milk coming in was going to look like. The midwives did somewhat explain it, but I think that some of the information that we got was a little bit outdated. One of the things that they told us was to wear well, told me, was to wear a really tight bra and to get an ace bandage and bind my breast. Um, and apparently this was supposed to help your milk dry up faster. That was extremely painful, much more painful than it needed to be. And since having her, I have learned that that's really outdated advice. Um, the idea was to kind of protect my breast from being knocked against things, which I understand. But if I could go back in time, I would have told myself to get a really soft cup bra, one that doesn't have any underwire, because my breasts swelled enormously. They got much, much bigger than they did with my living children because there was no one to relieve that pain, and also because the birth was induced, which meant that we had to have continuous IV fluid, and having that continuous IV fluid resulted in more engorgement. My other two births, I didn't have that. So I don't know how much of that engorgement was related to the fluid and how much of that engorgement was related to the fact that she wasn't nursing, but my nipples got completely flat. Coincidentally, this made weaning my older daughter really, really difficult. Every time I would go to wean when I started to feel engorgement, I would get really upset because I was sitting there thinking to myself, I have all this milk and I'm engorged and I have this baby that would love to have this milk. We weaned her at 21 months. I have this baby that would love to have this milk and I am choosing not to give it to her, which was a really emotional thing to go through because it was like flashbacks of those postpartum days after Adelaide was born. So the binding of the breast thing, I wish that they hadn't told me. Um, that does put you at higher risk for clogged ducts. Um, in theory, you can get mastitis in this situation. 
I've heard lactation consultants say, yeah, but that doesn't really happen. And I do wonder about their personal experience because I definitely got clogged ducts from not nursing. That was another piece of advice that we got in the hospital that I wish they had given us different advice on. They told me not to express any of the milk because your body works on supply and demand and emptying your breast is going to tell your body to make more milk. So I understand the theory behind why they didn't want me to express the milk, but I had to. It was so painful. I had to express it. And I felt like I was doing something wrong um, by doing that. And I wish that what they had done was given me a little hand pump and said, it's okay to pump until you're comfortable or to hand express until you're comfortable. If you empty your breasts completely, that's going to tell your body to make more. But you don't need to sit there completely engorged with pain pump enough or express enough so that you're not in excruciating pain. I took Benadryl and Sudafed, which are decongestants, um, which were supposed to help dry me up. I've also heard stories of birth control, people being given birth control. Um, the problem with birth control is that it does take a little bit of time before it kicks in. So by the time it kicks in, your milk is still coming in. And in our particular case, I was ready to try to get pregnant again almost immediately afterwards. That is totally a personal decision, and that's a whole different discussion here. But I definitely don't think that I would have been okay with taking birth control. Which leads me to my next point. I wish someone had told me that I could have donated that milk, that that milk could have gone to another baby. I don't know that that's the choice I would have made because I wanted to dry up quickly and the longer you lactate, there is some connection between lactation and fertility. And I know that I might have been messing up fertility had I been pumping, but I wish that I had known. After, after Adelaide was born, um, I actually found out that my blood type was such that it went exclusively to preemie babies. I have O negative, which makes me the universal donor. And because I've never had cytomegalovirus, my blood can be given to preemies. And I remember after the fact going to donate blood and realizing that this little poke might help another parent from having to know what it feels like to bury their baby. And while it was really painful, I was really sad because I had to bury mine, I was really thankful that they might not have to because of something I could give. Similarly, with my milk, if you donate your milk to the NICU via like a Habana milk bank, that milk is literally life-saving. The risks of formula when you are these really, really fragile infants puts you at very high risk of something called neck. And these micropremies, babies that are born at Adelaide's gestation about 24 weeks or further, are at very high risk of neck when you introduce formula. This is different than a full-term baby. 
But had I donated her milk to a Havana milk bank, that milk might have saved some other parents also from having to bury their babies because of neck. And I wish I had known. I don't know that that's the choice I would have made, but I wish I had known that that was something that I could have done with her milk. Your milk produces colostrum the first couple of days, but your body does know if your baby is born early. And so the colostrum that you make for a full-term baby versus a preterm baby is different. The colostrum that my body was making at 24 weeks gestation would have been the most magical medicine for some of these really fragile infants. Again, I don't know if I emotionally could have coped with that, but if someone would have told me, hey Heidi, you can pump, you don't have to pump to empty, you don't have to donate gallons, but you can pump just until you're comfortable, I could have saved myself so much pain and potentially helped save another baby's life, which is why I've gone on with my third child to donate milk. And I wish someone had told me that without any pressure to make a decision one way or another. There were some positive things that we were told that I think helped us with drying up the milk. Um, one was the Sudafed and the Benadryl. At that point, they were like, we're not really worried about anything being contraindicated, so you can take whatever you need. So I was taking melatonin to help me sleep. I was on ibuprofen to help me with the afterbirth pain and the breast pain. The breast pain was so excruciating. And I was on uh, Benadryl and Sudafed to help dry me up. A friend of mine came to stay with us who had also had a stillbirth. And she went out and got me sage tea. There's a brand known as No More Milk Tea. And I believe it's by Earth Bottom Angel Baby. They're not sponsors or anything. This is just something that I've learned since. Um, that is supposed to help with drying your milk up as well. So she actually just made sage tea from sage, but that could have been a really nice option for us as well. They also told me that I could put cold cabbage leaves on my breasts. I don't really know why this works, but it seems to be advice that is universal for weaning. And um, the cold probably helped, but there's something about the cabbage that's supposed to help as well. The problem that I had with that is that I was leaking so much. Milk was just pouring out of my body. Um, another thing that I wish they had done, I wish they had brought in a, a lactation consultant. I wish they had given me a little hand pump, and I wish that they had given me breast pads. This is one thing that if you if you have a friend that is experiencing something like this, do this for them. I remember I was probably two days postpartum knowing that my milk was about to come in, and I asked all of my friends who had babies, do you have breast pads that I can have? Could you bring me breast pads? And I didn't realize at the time because I thought you just leak for a little bit and then your milk stops leaking, which happens for some women. That has happened with me with Irene. I didn't realize that those women probably still needed their breast pads, but no one gave it to me. And our first trip out of the house was to go to the pharmacy and walk down this baby aisle with all these diapers 
and all these baby items and stuff that have pictures of babies all over them to buy breast pads. I wish someone had given me just one pack of disposable breast pads and ideally breast pads that didn't have a picture of a baby on it because it was so painful. Another thing that I experienced that made me think I was losing my mind, and part of this was just the grieving process, was kind of backwards of what a lot of women describe. A lot of times people will talk about how they'll hear a baby cry in the grocery store and it won't be their baby, but it will cause them to let down and leak. My body was randomly letting down, and I remember every time I let down, I thought for a moment that I was actually hearing a baby cry. And I thought I was losing my mind. I thought that I was so stricken with grief that I was actually going to go crazy. I remember waking up the following weeks after she was born with this soaking wet shirt and thinking I had heard a baby cry and having to take a minute to get my bearings, figure out where I was and remember, no, your baby's not here anymore. That's not your baby crying. That's just your body's reaction to the grief. And I really thought that I was going crazy. And I wish that someone had told me that that was a possibility, that that was a way that you grieve, because I have since been told by other women that they have experienced that as well. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting is that I leaked milk until I got pregnant again. I leaked milk for seven months. Um, for the most part, it had dried up more or less um, around mm, maybe a month or so after she was born. But I was still getting a little bit of milk right up until I got pregnant with Rosalind, which was seven months later, um, which was really interesting. <laughs> I was also putting heating pads on my breast, which I knew at the time would cause letdown. And I felt again like I was doing something wrong by doing it, but they just hurt so much that the heating pads was the only thing that provided relief. And again, because they told me not to express, I thought I was doing something wrong by doing that. Um, now I know that ice packs are generally recommended because those actually kind of help reduce the swelling a little bit. But really, it was about doing what you need to get through the physical pain of this situation. I don't think that most women realize what exactly that feels like. I remember after Rosalind was born, I was in a rocking chair nursing her, talking to a friend of mine at my parents' church, and she asked how breastfeeding was going. And I said, it is so great. It is so much less painful. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, when Adelaide was born, there was no one to relieve the pain of the engorgement. And she just looked horrified to realize that this is a thing that women go through. There were a lot of things postpartum that were very, very painful after Adelaide was born, um, physically and emotionally. But as far as the physicality went, the, the lactating was the most difficult and emotional part of it in terms of physical, um, in terms of like the physical. 
experience. And no one can tell you what the right choice is to do with your milk. Um, I know some people I've heard who have had neonatal losses might have a freezer full of milk and then they don't know what to do with it. Um, you can definitely donate, but that's not necessarily the right decision for everyone. I've also learned since that you can do something called breast milk jewelry, which I think would have been really cool. I got some really cool stuff um, to kind of remember Adelaide by. I got like a special little ornament that had her birthday, or I've got little like a little necklace that has her name inscribed on it and has little footprints. Um, but I think it would have been really special to have a little piece of jewelry that had her milk, um, which I literally have not thought of until this moment. I, I found out about breast milk jewelry with my third and thought, oh, that would be really cool to do. I wish I had done that with Roslyn. But now thinking back, that would have been a really special way to remember Adelaide too. So I know that this can be upsetting, but I just want to let you guys know that this is something that women experience. And I really wish that hospital IBCLCs would talk to them. It's scary to have this discussion. Nobody knows what to say. I've been on the other side of it too, where I've had friends have losses. And I've had friends have losses before I lost Adelaide and after I lost Adelaide. And they're scary discussions to have. You don't feel like you know what to say. But the right thing to say is, I'm so sorry, and how can I help you? And one of the biggest things, too, is not just how can I help you, but coming up with a tangible way to help. There were lots of things that a lot of people did that helped. We had a friend let us stay at their house. In fact, I remember when I leaked all over her bed, she washed the sheets for us. My mom went out and bought us... Um, a change of clothes that weren't maternity clothes because I wasn't back to my pre-pregnancy self and I couldn't wear pre-pregnancy clothes, but I also couldn't wear maternity clothes uh, without being really emotional. So she went out and bought me some yoga pants and a really tight sports bra. If I could go back, a sports bra would probably be good, but I wouldn't get one that was two sizes too small because I think that was really, really painful. Um... Those kinds of things were huge, huge help. And people bringing us food and checking in on this and that kind of stuff. But I just wish that they had not told me not to express and told me what to do with the milk because I was scared to call them. And I remember actually even getting a little bit of a fever postpartum. And, you know, that could be a lot of things. But I don't think that not expressing really was helping that situation either. So oh, I also did a lot of warm baths, which caused the milk to just pour out. But it also helped a lot with the pain. So that was a little bit of my experience postpartum with Adelaide. Um, it was also really hard for me when the milk started to dry up because I felt like the grief was still so fresh and the milk was kind of a reminder. Yes, I had a baby. Yes, she was real. Yes, she mattered. And my world stopped turning, but everyone else's kept on spinning. 
but I just think that people need to know that this is a possibility. And I really hope that nobody listening ever goes through a loss. And I really hope that nobody listening ever knows anyone that goes through a loss. But if you're ever in a situation where you can help someone, those really practical, physical needs of things that people don't think about, things like bringing over postpartum um, menstrual pads, for example, or especially those breast pads would have helped so much. I just remember reaching out and asking my friends to bring them to me, and nobody really understood that I actually needed them, and I wish someone would have. So anyways, I hope that this episode was helpful in a way. I also hope that it wasn't because I hope it's not something that anyone comes across Um, But that was a little bit of our experience with Adelaide and part of the reason why I've gone on to donate milk now. Um, Be sure to hit the subscribe button on iTunes if you're listening to us over there. That way you'll never miss an episode. You can also check us out over on uh, the More Than Milk Facebook page and the patreon.com slash more than milk if you want to support us. If you leave a comment over there, I will be happy to read it on the air. Uh, we just did our first live hangout over on the Patreon pages. So if you do decide to donate, you can be part of the live hangouts, but you don't have to donate to leave a comment. Um, and I hope that this was a little bit enlightening. I just want to let everyone know who's ever lost a baby. Your baby was important. Your baby mattered. And it's okay to talk about them. And I hope that you can find someone that will really listen to that experience with you. I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.